Hello and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines and joining us today uh, we have Jamie Williams, uh, current FA tutor and player and coach developer at South Shields Football Club. Uh, hi Jamie and, and thanks for your time um, to chat to us around the return to football. Uh, no, thank Jamie, you for having me. You're welcome Jamie, it's a pleasure. Um, Jamie, can you just explain to everyone um, what has led you to this point in your coaching journey? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I, I, I guess a good starting point is uh, just to say that I've, I've kind of always been someone who's, I think, had a strong want to to help uh, other people grow and and get better. And and I recognise the the influence that uh, my family and my upbringing has had in that, and and subsequently the people that I've sort of surrounded myself with and uh, growing up in Hexham I was uh, I was very very fortunate to uh, fall into the hands of Barney Jones and Terry Mitchell uh, during their Northumberland football partnership days um, and and they they took me under uh, their wing as a as a 15 year old um, and all I can say about the years that I spent with them um, supporting putting the cones out and then being trusted to uh, lead on some sessions was I just had the best environment to grow and develop my coaching. Um, people laugh because I, I do sort of call them um, sort of Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi because that for me, I would hold them in that that high regard, you know, like the, the real masters of the craft and just to have that opportunity um, to, to, to learn from the best, um, I feel and, and I'll forever be uh, grateful. Um, a really sort of um, start to show through now in, in how I go about supporting other coaches. Um, they gave me the freedom to experiment with stuff. They allowed me to make a ton of mistakes. Um, when I look back, I do think, wow, they must have been shaking their head with some of my practice. Um, but those mistakes were really invaluable. Um, and what I always had in, in those guys um, and what I've had throughout my career is, is some really supportive um, colleagues always on hand to kind of catch when I when I need them. Um, so on the back of that, I've, I've been really lucky to sort of work in a lot of really cool environments, um, with so many great people. And um, during lockdown, actually, I spent a little bit of time kind of thinking about who's in my coaching tree. So who have been the people that have influenced me, but then actually quite excitingly, uh, who's been their influences. So who's been the people that actually have influenced them. And when you start to look at coaching trees in that way, you start to think, wow, you know, there are so many people that uh, have influenced my coaching career um, and the way that I think, but also on a daily basis, we're all influencing so many people. And it's just a, it's just a wonderful space to, to be in. And, um, yeah, I can see again, a, a little bit, if not a lot of all of those influences in, in how I act and, and, and uh, think today. Um, new environments and meeting new people has always been my kind of motivation. Uh, so whether that be through coaching or tutoring or mentoring, um, I'm really fortunate to, to, to collide in with new people, connecting with new, new faces, uh, because it just reminds us how little I know and how much more I can find out and discover from other people. Um, 
guess that leaves me in a place where, you know, I'm really comfortable in knowing that I'll never never quite arrive, always be something new to discover. Um, and I just try and take that into my role today, which is, in a nutshell, try and spread my time um, equally between helping players and supporting coaches. It's a bit of an integrated role where I'm on the grass. Uh, it's very much about asking the question of how, how can we make things better, uh, whether that's the environment, practice, um, the coaching relationships with one another, the coaching relationships with players. Um, and yeah, just to, uh, I, I guess just a bit of a, a, a disclosure here, here just to, to make sure that uh, when I'm waffling on, nobody can uh, point the finger. I'm definitely sort of joining this conversation with a lot more questions than answers. So hopefully you're going to uh, work in tandem with me to, to explore the, the subject. Fantastic, Jamie. And just around the current situation, how have you coped with lockdown and not having football over the past few months? Uh, I've, I mean, I've, I've absolutely loved um, the opportunity to, to spend time with my wife and my kids. Um, you know, it's, it's what, what is it, a year now since uh, the first lockdown, but that's, that's actually a year or just over a year since my daughter was born. Um, so uh, our... Family of three became a family of four. Uh, my daughter was born two weeks before the start of the first lockdown. So I basically enjoyed like the longest eternity uh, in the history of the world, and 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 I'll forever be grateful for that. Um, I think uh, lots of lessons learned along the way. I certainly failed at being super dad. Um, I failed at uh, home teaching, although we did our best and we had a lot of fun. Um, I learned, uh, and this was genuinely, was a really, really impactful moment for me that I learned that even though I'm a coach and Haley, my wife, has never done any coaching in her life, um, when it came to uh, helping our son, Elliot, um, learn some new skills or try new stuff, she was the super coach. She was a much better coach than dad was. Um, so I learned some really good stuff from her around um, the importance of trust in a relationship um, Elliot, my son, definitely trusts Haley with some risky stuff much more than she, than he does me. Um, she's pretty gutsy and 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 you know is is all for giving things a go. She's got you know maximum belief um, in in, our, in in us as a family and in in our kids that they can they can do it. And and you know her support around uh, Elliot learning some new stuff was just awesome. So I just like learn some new new skills. Um, and probably like lots of people and, and certainly lots of parents, I spent a ridiculous amount of time in skate parks and forests. Um, and I kind of thought, because uh, I knew you were going to ask me a question about lockdown, and I kind of thought, you know what, um, it would be cool if we had more skate park style environments in football. Um, and what I mean by that is I, I stood as a parent on the perimeter of, um, of, of the skate park with, uh, with a five-year-old son who loves his scooter, who wanted to practice skateboarding for the first time, who goes down on his bike every day. And what I saw was an environment where you're free to try stuff. Um, failures, falls, mistakes are celebrated. It's kind of like mistakes are cool in that place. Um, the bigger the risk, the bigger the rewards. Um, there's loads of modeling others. So seeing what others do and then giving that a go. It's all mixed age, so you know the skate park that I saw would have children as young as four and five mixing with with teenagers, um, at times even adults. 
Um, and it was about kids kind of stretching each other. There was peer-to-peer coaching. There was um, older kids helping younger kids learn new skills. I, I mean, you know, there was there was coaching going on that I couldn't help my son with. That that was all. Um, well, there was just there was no adults uh, getting in the way. It was uh, there was no coaching uh, per se, but people were were still getting better all the time. Um, so. I think that's a that's a cool takeaway for me is is, is how can I make my coaching environment more um, and then just the forest stuff again like you, you start at the, at the start of lockdown you wander to a forest you walk the beaten track the track you've always wandered but then once you visited the forest 982 times you you start to realize actually it's it's pretty cool to explore this place and get off the beaten track. And, and again, I think that offers a nice metaphor for coaching, which is, is our, are our environments um, ones that can be explored by young players? Um, or do we restrict players by always kind of leading them down the beaten track that we want to wander? Um, and I do think there's some space, um, you know, in, in, in the coaching world to, to free ourselves up. And if we imagine that we're wandering from one side of the forest to the other, um, maybe let's be a little bit less restrictive and 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 open our mind to the fact that that young people and and players might want to explore for themselves and find new routes to the to the other side. Um, so that's been my kind of learnings. Um, and I guess I, what, what I took back to work with me was um, this idea that we've always said that we don't have time. So uh, forever in in coaching, you hear I don't have time and oh, well, yeah, I would refresh the program or I'd make it better if I just had a little bit more time. And and the truth is we've we've probably had more time um, spare than we've ever had in the last year. And I wonder how well coaches and, and, and we all have um, have used that. And, and, and I guess, uh, you know, that's the question. How, how effectively have we have we used this time to make sure that when we re- when we do return, that we're all returning to something better? Because I, th- I think that's what players will want. I, th- I think they'd be pretty excited to know that they're going back to something better and not something that's just the same as it was before. Um, so I've certainly had some reflections on that. And uh, I mean, happy to share those with people. Uh, you, you know, if anybody wants to connect with me, I'll, I'll openly tell them about um, the reflections that I made and, and how I've tried to make, you know, my coaching environments and, 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 and the spaces that I work a little bit better for, for players and for coaches. But yes, I had a great lockdown anyway. Thank you, <laughs> Jamie. That story, that story on the uh, on the skate park, I think that that sort of links in with the, the the value around street football and cage football. I've read a lot of articles again in lockdown where footballers have made what they are from playing in that environment. So there's no coaching; they're learning from others, olders youngers within that um, cage um, where it might be 10 v 10, 15 v 15 in tight areas and they've got to learn the tricks, the the art and the skills on techniques on how they're going to get out of situations and make decisions to to be clever and, and score goals. So yeah, yeah, I, I like that one. I like that one. Um, so yeah, the return to football. The return to football. Um, Jamie, if you were a player coming back um, to your team after this long out, 
what would it that you would want to do in your first first few sessions? Uh, it's a great question. Um, I, I think I think I'd like to challenge myself um, to to have a go at that skate park environment um, and the street football style environment that you you talk about. Um, I think my priorities would would certainly be centered around children feeling good about themselves and remembering what they loved about the game. I think that's that's really key. Um, I think the return to football um, is it, it, it's probably something that children are really excited about, but at the same time, a little bit sort of nervous and a bit sort of there's a bit of trepidation there. And um, I think we as adults can support them in just remembering uh, or reminding them about all of their own special qualities and like their superpowers a little bit, what makes them who they are and what makes them great and makes them feel good and remind them what they've missed um, for, for the last year. Um, for children to feel safe, uh, to be themselves and, and to express themselves um, or, or even to rediscover themselves, you know, again, remind themselves of um, the player that they, they dream about being. Um, I think success is really important. So as a, as a coach and, and as a coach developer, I, I always talk about um, trying to strike a balance between um, success and, and, and stretch or struggle. Um, I think too much challenge is a bad thing. I think too much success is a bad thing. I think it's always about having those in counterbalance. Um, so how do we weigh up um, challenge and, and success? But um, in the early stages of returning, I do think we need, well, we would like all, all players to experience um, a high level of success during the first three weeks. I think that's really important um, because success is a, is a real motivator to keep you coming back. Um, other stuff would be, I think, fun. Fun should trump uh, should trump everything. Um, that would be something I would talk about anyway. Um, but it really let let's make this just the best day in the week or the best two sessions in a week for young people. Um, Terry Mitchell always used to say, um, "If you make it fun, the work gets done." And it's just a nice saying um, that I think I, I think um, reinforces what this is all about. I'd be looking for smiles and laughter. Um, so I would probably be measuring success as a coach on on how many smiles on faces, laughter there is, and how much joy there is in the environment. Um, an opportunity for players to reconnect uh, with 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 us as coaches, but also allowing them space to reconnect with each other. Um, and I think all of this can be achieved, and I think we can really really create a fun place for young people to come back to, and, and adult players to come back to also. If we speak to them about their expectations and about their wants as early as possible, there'll be there'll be lots of coaches and clubs that have already done this. Um, but getting a real gauge on um, what they want from, from their from their football return, I think, would be a really healthy start point because ultimately they're the players. Um, so we need to we need to listen to to what it is that they they're hoping for, and we're kind of at a bit of a ground zero moment, I think, which is that. Never in the history of, of sport or, or at least in football, as far as I've known it, has there been like such a break in time. And, and what comes with that is um, I think there's been a break in routine, which is that lots of children and families would have always gone to football on a Saturday morning. And without any thought, they'd go to football on a Saturday morning. Whereas 
they've now had a big break. And if and if what they go back to um, is not something that they enjoy, it's not something that puts a smile on their face. Um, I do think there's a danger. I think there's a real danger that they might walk away. Um, so there's a huge responsibility on coaches' shoulders um, to really make sure that our environments are fair, they're equal, um, and that they are they have the child's best interest at heart. And and um, I guess I did a podcast recently uh, with the Magic Academy where we talked about if children were in charge of football, well, in charge of sport. Um, would it look like it does? And I think that's a nice question for coaches to ponder. If if you let you know if, if the kids were to rewrite the rules, how much would change and how much would be the same? Um, so I think that would be a healthy discussion within the clubs before heading back in uh, in a few days' time. And all them things that you've mentioned there, Jamie. Um, I suppose you can incorporate into a game of such because if I hadn't played for three months uh, I know the first thing that I'd want to do is stuff that you've mentioned I want to have good fun I want to have a smile on my face I want to enjoy being with my peers that I haven't seen for X amount of weeks uh, in that game environment the game that I love and the game why I play the game um, I suppose that what what does that look like from a coach's point of view? That game, what does it look like? What challenges would does the coach come across? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a. I mean, what you're talking about is playing, um, and I think you can break that into kind of two two things, which is that there's play, which is kind of self self chosen, self directed activity. It's owned by the players and fun, sort of the main objective. You can wander loads of different paths. With, with play and then there's playing the game um, and I think you make a great point Gary which is that it, it's kind of just remembering that that's what they come here to do um, you know they're most likely signed up because uh, they were motivated to play the game um, so do we create enough opportunities for them just to play and experience the game um, I mean I'm as guilty as anybody uh, for designing new sessions and adapting games and trying to make you know the coaching environment and, and every session fresh and new and exciting but we must not forget and this is definitely a reminder to myself we must not forget that kind of the one game that stood the test of time is is the one that's got two teams it's got two goals and it's got one ball in the middle and it's it's not being afraid as a coach to give them a high percentage of the game as it is in its truest, most pure form. Um, so I think that's, I think one of the challenges that there's an expectation that um, a coaching session should have three or four parts and it should look um, like some isolated practice followed by a little bit of skill practice followed by the game. And I want to, Graham Carrick, talk about, you know, or encourage people not to view the game as a reward. If you behave well, you can have a little game at the end. It's actually fundamentally what they come here to do. Um, so trying to explore ways, and, and, and I would always encourage, um, if you can encourage coaches, that if they can teach some skills through the game to, to do that. Um, you know, can we help players become better at playing the game by playing the game? Um, so, yeah, I think that, that, that's a really nice challenge uh, for coaches is, is how much of your session can look like the game and feel like the game. 
Um, and I think that would also hit lots and lots of the points that we talked about before about what what children and, and players would would hope for and, and maybe expect from their return from football. And if you are one of these coaches who obsesses about line drills and and practice where you must follow what the coach says and it's it, it's it's a little nice to have if you get a game at the end imagine how excited those players are going to be when you start with a game wow this is different our coach has changed he's given us or she's given us what we really love right from the start and what a fantastic way to kind of return to uh to your club and and, and, and to that environment yeah because i, I I think we've got to be careful as coaches that we've missed coaching. We've missed being out on the pitches, uh, coaching to our teams. Um, but that when we come back, it's not about us delivering this fantastic session that we've been thinking about for three months. It's about getting them players back engaged, enjoying what they actually come along to your training sessions for. A hundred percent. And and I think I think you make a really good point there, which is that, we have to remember that it's about the players. It's the players that play the game. Um, and a good start point is to ask yourself the question, you know, if, if I'm coaching if I'm coaching a group of 10-year-olds, I need to think like a 10-year-old um, in my planning, not um, the 40-year-old or the 30-year-old or the 50-year-old um, who's delivering the session because whilst we facilitate and we are really important to that environment, it is the players that are going to play the game. And we know that, that learning's done or learners uh, learn by doing. So create games that engage them and that speak to the age and stage that they're at. Um, and again, I touched on it before, just a good, good place to start would be kind of co-creation and co-design. So maybe plan a little bit of, of space and time into, you, into your first session or before the first session to, you know, hear from the players about what they would want it to look like. If you were to design the first session back, um, what would you want it to include? They might even give you your first three weeks of practices and games and activities because a good start point would be what are their favourite games? I know that's what I would want to return to, I think, as a player. Absolutely, Jamie. And, and just want to touch the next few questions, just around the, the returns that um, the players would get around working within the four-corner model, the FA's four-corner model. Um, so obviously the physical, psychological, tech-tac and the social corner. So if you can just start with the, with the physical corner um, and if we can think about the amount of... Um, levels of fitness that the, the, the players at all levels will have probably lost during lockdown. What that game will look like on them returns? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's important to, to be sensitive to where the players are at and, and, and to um, assess kind of where they are. I use assessors like it you know, loosely, I don't mean actually go and assess them or test them, but just with your eyes, have a look to see, you know, who's who in the group is where and and and, and what changes you notice. Um, and to start from from here, not not from kind of where you want them to be. And it's amazing, isn't it, that it, I always think it's like the grandma grandma eyes, which is that I never really notice any change in in my children, like them getting taller or 
more cheeky or whatever it might be. But when grandma comes around after like a few months of not seeing them, she notices instantly that there's been a change. And and I think uh, we're, we're probably going to, for the first time ever, have those kind of granny specs on, which is that we notice some real physical change in, 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 in the people that we coach. You know, they'll look and, and, and might act a little bit differently to how we um, remembered them before. And of course, that's just natural. But we'll just notice the change a little bit more because there's been a gap in time. Um, Incorporating movement skills um, into your games that you play, and 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 particularly if you're working with young players, and um, I, I, I think that that should be a constant priority anyway. Um, so just because they've been away for lockdown, I think if you're working with with children and young people, and particularly in those foundation years, um, I would encourage you to try and um, incorporate uh, movement games, fun tag games, bib snatch games, little movement races um, into your sessions as good practice anyway. But you are right that there's, there's possibly a heightened need for that because they, they may have um, missed out on that over, over recent months. Um, if you're maybe working with some slightly older, older children and, and fitness is more of, a, more of a thing because you'd normally start to see fitness um, become a factor in teenage up to adult players, uh, I would I would try and incorporate those into games if you can, so that the players are kind of learning implicitly. So I'm just thinking off the top of my head that games like the kind of over the halfway game, where you might be playing a match, so it just looks like a game and it just feels like a game, the players um, will love that. But you might incorporate a rule that says that for the goal to count, the whole team must be in the opposition half or if you're, if you're operating on a slightly smaller pitch it might be in the final third so that actually players are having to sprint to catch up and to play in um, the area of the pitch where the goal the goal is going to be counted um, and and games like that I think are really important um, for, for, for delivering against the kind of the fitness um, side of things and uh, I would just encourage coaches to avoid fitness work uh, sorry, isolated fitness work, um, if at all possible, because I'm I'm kind of thinking like a 10-year-old here. I want to go back and play the game. I'm probably going to be pretty enthused. It's going to it's going to mean that I'm going to run around as best I can for as long as I can. Um, but when I get there and find out it's the bleep test, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm probably going to feel a little bit upset and 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 might fall out of love with the game a little bit um more than i would have done in the past so um yeah try and hide those fitness and movement um returns if you like or intentions in things that feel like the game or are just games team invasion games or whatever it might be because kids will run around if they love the game that's you know that's just how it always is they will always be telling you something in the way and in, in their engagement and in their movement and in their energy. Um, so if you get the right game, kids will run around more than they would in a fitness activity anyway. I don't think anyone enjoyed that bleep test, Jamie. The sideline did. Psychologically, um, big word for me in, in, in the psychological uh, corner is the confidence. You know, the, the confidence that the, the the young person will have lost during this time. Uh, and I think you've touched on it already um, today, but that's something that we need to be aware of, the, the challenges that they have had to go through 
over the last three months of continually working from home and um, something we need to be aware of, the, of their home backgrounds as well. Absolutely. No, I, 100%. And, um, and, 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 you know, I think lockdown's taught me, um, I mean, it's taught me lots and lots and lots, and we've, we've talked about that before. But one thing that dawned on me recently is that, you know, the people that I am in contact with who seem to have thrived in lockdown and seem to have, have, have managed really well have been people that our class is adaptable people who are um, adaptable to change, they're kind of problem-solving people, you know, they don't kind of see things as, um, a, you know, a problem, it, 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 a problem to hold them back, it's it's actually a problem to overcome. Um, and and also people who've got real good sort of coping mechanisms, so they're, they're generally quite resilient, they persevere with stuff, um, they try and stay positive in, in their mindset. Um, and I think they're two really important things is that actually, as we move forward, um, we can learn a lot from um, this this period in time and try and develop those skills in, in young people. So developing a you know, more adaptable young person is, can only be a good thing for the future. Um, giving players opportunity to solve problems. It's the players that need to solve problems, not not us coaches. So giving them space to to think about problems and to plan, reflect, strategize, um, I think will be really helpful uh, for their kind of wider life skills as well as their game skills. Uh, resilience is is a massive one. It's talked about a lot, but building resilience kind of starts from a place of um, of psychological safety. You know, so the environment that we create is really important. How safe is it in your environment for every individual child to be? uniquely themselves um, because that's where resilience will begin resilience doesn't come from tough hard horrible environments that is a myth resilience comes when you feel um like you feel motivated and you feel safe to keep going and you feel um uh, you, you you feel confident in yourself um to have another go and to persevere with something, knowing that nobody, somebody's not going to judge you and going to jump on you next time you make a mistake. So our environment that we create um, is really important. And lots and lots of children will have a, um, will have had like, a, they'll come back with a shorter fuse. They might be emotionally um, a little bit, a little bit unstable. So again, the safety um, of your environment, the safe to fail nature of it, the um, the trust is is really paramount and and we as we as adults have to um i guess you know we, we have to take responsibility for for doing the best we can by every person um and 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 just to kind of steal uh graham carrick and paul mcginnis's phrase because i really like this which is the spirit of football and i've, I've heard them talk about this a lot um and it's it's an opportunity for us to kind of relight the flame for young players because after a year of no football maybe the maybe the flame's gone out a little bit so what i mean by that is just helping young people remember why they fell in love with football in the first place and that goes for adult players as well you know remembering why i love this game and why i first got involved um and and really channeling our energy towards you know that kind of uh, fun and love side of things more than the tech tack stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. I mean, that takes us nicely on to, to sort of the next corner, where the technical and tactical corner um, and the returns we can expect as coaches within a games programme, within training. Um, and what sort of small-sided games, um, you know, that we can sort of support the coaches with putting on um, within this period back into the back into the game. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's it's a it's a great question, and um, it, it always leads me to talk about perception action coupling, which just makes everybody go, "What the hell are you talking about?" Um, but basically, it's it's the game is the ideal environment for players to practice skill um, alongside um, their awareness, their, their, you know, perceiving information. Um, and making decisions on the on the hoof, on the run, under pressure, um, you know, and it's that thing of, of of before every action is a decision, and before every decision is a perception. Now, if you isolate that, and we do more drill-like practice, we're taking away the decision, and we're taking away uh, the perception. And yes, there's still skill, or there's still a technique that might be being executed. And yes, there's a time and a place for that. Um, but what I love about the game environment is that it's kind of all-encompassing. Um, and of course, when you've got to weigh up decision-making with seeing things, with executing stuff, there's going to be mistakes made. There's going to be a lot of errors. But there's also some really good feedback. You're getting really good feedback all the time. Um, and we've been talking a lot as as coaches, that, so the group of coaches that, that I'm fortunate to work with, um, we, we spend a lot of our time talking to players about the importance of looking for information in the game. So watch the game, not the ball. And again, when you, when you put players in, in game-like environments, we give players a reason to look away from the football because there's, there's things to perceive, there's things to see, there's things to look for, there's spaces, there's opponents, there's teammates, there's gaps that if you don't see them quick enough will quickly disappear. Um, so games that don't look like the game or activities that don't look like the game might just bring a tendency for players to ball watch. Um, and I think through through the game, we can kind of draw attention to information that's that's kind of out there that's, that's really useful. Um, I often hear this thing about games and they say, oh, yeah, but, you know, the dominant players take over. And, and, and that's there's, there's a very valid point to that. But what I also say is, don't point the fingers at the players. Hold a mirror to yourselves, because as coaches, we can manipulate the conditions to make it more suitable. So it doesn't have to be the eight v eight game. The game is is a, you know it has the same principles whether you're playing one v one or you're playing eleven versus eleven. So adapt the environment and, and differentiate your group so that everybody has an opportunity to. Um, get success within the game and to practice and get lots and lots of touches. If you are playing with a slightly bigger um, bigger format, and, and it might be a whole group session where you're playing seven versus seven, um, a really nice strategy um, that I like to use and, and, and would, would be happy to share with, with coaches would be second ball coaching, which is that the game is played with one ball, but as a coach or as a referee, we can carry another one under our arm. And while we're carrying that ball, we can look for opportunities where the ball goes out of play or there might be a moment in time where you want to actually drop a ball and restart it in a random place. But you can be quite selective about who restarts with the ball. 
you know, for instance, you you might notice that somebody hasn't had many touches, so that when the ball goes flying off uh, the pitch and halfway down the 3G, the players know that the next ball's coming in from you. You're going to restart it, but you can dictate who who gets the restart. And I notice Gary hasn't had many touches in the last three minutes, so when I re, uh, resume play and put the new ball in, I'm going to make sure Gary gets the first touch. I'm going to try and get Gary on the ball in some space with some time so he can lift his head and make a pass or he can travel with it. Um, another sort of neat idea might be um, to encourage or at halfway through the game or at the start, you might get the oppo, like the opposition to kind of decide how many points different players on the other team, uh, how many how many goals you know, they get for scoring a goal. So I might say, oh, well, Gary, you know, he's he's like a top player. So he's worth one. If he scores, he scores all the time. He's worth one. But Jamie, actually, Jamie never really scores, does he? So, yeah, he's a seven-point player. Now, actually, that might encourage my team to start working the ball to me and the six-point player and the five-point player a little bit more because there's greater value on a scoring. And, and the guy who, or the girl who's, who's often dominant, um, now has to act as, like, creator and provider because if they keep hogging the ball and scoring all the goals well that that might feel great but your team your team's not going to um accumulate many points um so that's just a, a little sort of thought and, and and then just more specific games um i i would play the game and i would i would try and design the activity or play sorry design the game so that it shines the torch on skill so a game i really love is the eliminator um, where basically players score points for eliminating opponents one v one, and you can do it a couple of ways. You can either get a point for every successful v one. So if I manage to beat somebody, um, it's uh, it, it's a goal for my team. If we score, it's a two goals for my team. Um, or I can play a game where I can eliminate you out. So if I beat you with the ball and I get beyond you, um, you're actually off the pitch, and the only way you can get back on is if a teammate passes to you, and then you receive and get back in play. Um, so yeah, I mean, funny enough, I'm actually in the middle of, of building a resource um, with with some friends at uh, I mentioned them before the Magic Academy. We're we're kind of building a library of sessions and, and games um, with this in mind for for coaches um, and and it acting like a bit of a kind of session builder to support their planning. So uh, kind of watch this space because that might be a nice nice resource with forty or fifty games that that grassroots coaches at, at all ages can have a go at. Fantastic, Jamie. Just just quickly touching on the uh, on the social corner and 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 the 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 needs of the the players um, around this, and you you have mentioned it earlier. Um, all the players are going to come back in a different frame of mind, so they're not all going to be the same. Uh, so there's going to need to be some a real challenge from us as coaches that every player is going to need some diff different support. So there's going to be that have to deal a lot with differentiation. Um, anything you want to add on that? Yeah, no, I think you I, I think you're spot on with 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 your thoughts and observations. Um, again, this is not a post lockdown thing, but maybe maybe. You know, it's it's more important than ever before that we think about this. And, and it's just a statement that says the person inside the player is our most important focus. And I believe that to be true 
anyway, um, I mean, Lionel Messi has a nice quote, which is that he'd rather be known or he'd rather be remembered as a good person than a good player. And I think that's a, a really sort of timely um, quote because, you know, we can get obsessed about them as a, as a footballer, but actually, what about them as a person first? Um, and yeah, I think it's understanding that, you know, being with friends is a key reason why people play football in the first place. We know that through research, there's been a lot of FA research that's gone on that tells us that that's a key motivator for for them playing the game. Um, so let's create some space for, for interaction um, and maybe be smart with it. So you might just say, in today's session, I'm going to free up some time where players can just chat. But I'm also going to free up some time where actually players work together, they plan, they reflect, they strategize, they come up with team tactics. You know, especially the older kids, the, the, the teenagers, they kind of want us to be out the way as much as possible. And 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 they're they're certainly capable of of planning and designing some stuff and coming up with tactical uh, ideas. So maybe use this as an opportunity to to give them some space to interact with their with their friends. Jimmy, the last thing I just want to chat to you about um, is creating that really positive learning environment. Um, and we talk about within the FA the seventy percent ball rolling time um just for, for for our last question how are we creating that positive learning environment and is it about that ball rolling time being over that 70 percent and maybe it's possibly in a 90 percent during these early weeks back after lockdown yeah um i mean it's probably not all that helpful to kind of put a specific number on it um, and I know that, that the FA um, uses 70% rolling time as a, um, I guess it's it's a possibility to live into, not something that has to be followed in every single session. But it comes from a place where we know that players learn by doing. Um, so the more they're active, the more they're engaged in games, the better for me. Um, and, and I think it's about kind of um, recognising that from group to group, uh, from from uh, week to week even. So even within the same group, from week to week, the kind of needs and wants of the players can change. But also depending on what, what it is you're uh, working on or what the weather conditions are like, for instance, um, can dictate um, how much of that, that, that playing time is social, how much of that playing time is, is active. But um, why not involve the players in, 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 in our planning for that? Um, you know, what what do they want um, before the session? So what are they telling us that they'd like today's session to involve? And how much of that time do you want to be active and playing the game? How much of that time do you want to be socialising? Do you want to set me any challenges as a coach? You know, do you want to tell me that I'm only restricted to 30 seconds uh, intervention at any, at any one time? Um, but then also remembering that, what they thought they wanted before the session might change during the session. So little check-ins um, can be a healthy habit. Um, and particularly at a time like now where, as you've mentioned, the fitness levels of some players might be a little bit depleted. So just checking in and asking how players are feeling and do they want to break? Do you want to continue? Do you want to give it, do you want to have another five minutes of play or do you want to cut it down to three minutes? 
is anyone wanting to extend it to 10 minutes? And almost letting letting the players who are at the heart of this session um, guide you and, and work alongside you to make sure it's the best it can be for them. And um, I think choice on timings, length of breaks, structure of the session um, is, you know, would be a really, really positive thing to be doing um, at your clubs. Jamie, anything you just want to recap over this um, return to play before we finish? Uh, yeah, just just for me to let, let, let's try and make sure that everybody comes back um, with a, a really memorable and positive experience that I guess touches across all those corners that we've talked about. Um, so it not just being about football, it needs to be about everything um, from the social side of things to feeling really good about themselves, to practicing some cool skills, to showing each other what they've learned during their time off, um, to sitting down and talking to players about their experiences, the highs and the lows of lockdown, and then and then co-designing um, almost like the, the future together. So how do we make, um, yeah, how do we make the return to football even better than we than we'd remembered before? You know, so how do we make the game and your experience and your learning the very best it can be? Um, and I just know from experience that we are limiting ourselves if we think we have all the answers. So work alongside your co-coaches, the parents, other other coaches in the club engage in webinars and podcasts and all of the fantastic resources that are available, reach out to your players. And then you've got a network of people who are chipping into and, and, and influencing the environment that you create and the stuff that you do, the magic that you weave um, to help make it the best it can be. Jamie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening to North London FA podcast from the sidelines. Thanks, Gary.